Hello and welcome. I hope everyone's ready to eat that blank page with me, your boy, Victor Rowe. Professional overthinker, aspiring author, overall okay guy. Not to downplay myself a little bit, I think I'm actually pretty cool. But you're not here for that, you're here to eat some pages and learn some things. Today we have a wonderful question from one of the Quora users. I believe the name is Locust Chi. Locust Chi asks, I have multiple plots in mind and I don't... Ugh. I have multiple plots in mind that I want to write, but can never seem to make them work. They're so bland. How can I make them more interesting than them just being written on a notepad? And I'm just going to read the answer itself because it is a short one. What I found in writing plots and storylines is that there's very rarely a time where there's only one story developing and one main idea or thought existing in the story. So maybe there is a way you could combine all of the different threads into one big story with lots of things going on. Just off the top of my head, for the first Harry Potter book, there's a ton of set pieces, quote-unquote, and plots going on throughout the story that keeps everything interesting. You have the new kid at school thread going on, the chosen one archetype following Harry around, an evil wizard that's out to kill Harry, all the different classes and teachers of magic, different Hogwarts houses for the students to be segregated based on personality, for the damaged kids in an abusive household that Harry escapes from, kind of, a group of friends that are also wizards, a really mean blonde kid who's also a wizard. You get my point. When combining these little ideas, you get one big idea. And that's kind of my view on stories, because I don't know if you guys have ever heard the, the saying that there is no one original thought, but when you take one original thought or just one thought in general, by itself, it's been done a million times, right? But when you add two, three, four, maybe five different original thoughts, you get something or five different basic thoughts, or regular, or traditional. You get one big original thought. And so it's the combination of the mundane that leads to the extraordinary. Harry Potter does this well um, for the reasons that I listed, of course, but also just because the power school idea where it does it well because of the setting I think more than anything. And I didn't mean for this conversation to be about setting, but setting can be very, very useful. Well, when you think about it, a story is characters at a place doing things. And so the big limiter is where they are. It can also be what they can do, but what, it's, it's one of the key elements of a story is, you know, the setting. So having it at a place where there's so much diversity. You have the sports field for the Quidditch. You have the classes for studying magic on a technical level. You have games and events and challenges, the Goblet of Fire, for instance. But then you have the gardens. You have the whatever Hagrid is. I don't even, I can't really remember what Hagrid is. The groundskeeper, I suppose. But even from there, you have the different teachers each one having a different personality, a different expertise, and something to teach the main character. Well, teaching the main character is also one of the main facets of a story. And while not all main characters are like this, I think generally the main character is so unrelatable, but is also in a position where they're able to learn plenty, but they are 
uninformed, if that makes any sense. Take Harry, right? He is in a position, not of power, but of opportunity, where he's this chosen one. Everyone loves him, and he has a lot of people's eyes on him. He's put into this school where he's able to learn all about this new world and new things. And so we're going to be following him through the story, learning about these things through him. And he's not as defined as Hermione. He's not as stereotypically dumb as Ron. He treads this middle line, which does a few different things in all stories, but I'll keep using Harry Potter as an example because it's it's a very well-written story. He treads the line which opens up conversations between every single character where he can at the same time be similar and different. You're not going to take the um you're not taking two opposites. You're not taking people who are on two ends of the same spectrum. You're taking someone who is moldable who is driving themselves through the world, who is open to change, is trying to learn, and someone who is experienced. Maybe they're bitter because of it. Maybe they've learned to laugh and enjoy life. And depending on what the main character learns and what he's exposed to, or she or whoever, leads the story into the next phase. And these conversations with these different... Pretty much each character that your main character interacts with can be viewed as a different take on the world that the story is in. If it's a fantasy like Harry Potter, where you have someone like Snape who's very bitter, who's very like serious and dark. I mean, dark arts, of course, but then you have someone like Dumbledore who's who sees the responsible side of things, sees the need of adult leaders and guidance to young wizards and Hagrid, who's a bit more jolly, but is a grown-up, mature, maybe not as knowledgeable as some of the other teachers, so they can't teach him about that side of the world, but when it comes to loving something, nurturing something, Hagrid teaches the kids about animals and the mythical creatures in the world. And so the character's view upon the world and how they interact with the world can be a reflection of who they are as a character but in that you have a wall for your main character to bounce off of or go through where the main character can agree or come to see their point of view completely disregard it hate it or find a gray moral area with their views it's like you put Hagrid and Snape in the same room two very different characters gonna have an interesting conversation yes but their ideals are pretty set. And what makes main characters useful is that they're able to traverse different mindsets and views whilst still being that main character. Of course, there's growth and a main arcing transformation through the story, but that transformation only happens because of all the different things they're exposed to, either through characters or different areas of the setting different areas of the setting. You're at a school. How many different things do you want? You got art class, you got the gardens, you got Quidditch, school dances, uh, boring classrooms, fun practices, duels. Okay, let's look at some different 
you want people who think differently about the world? Teachers, because everyone studies something different. So they view the world on different terms. It's just, it's a perfect setup for what I'm trying to explain in that your, your main character is kind of this neutral party traveling through a world of absolutes and edges. Speaking of seeing the world through the main character's eyes, I want to bring up an idea that I've had for a long time. I call it the rule of three, but it's not a defined rule in all of um, all of literature or writing practices. Of course, you're probably thinking of the rule of three of comedy, but that's not what this is. I also want to take a moment to say, now that I have your attention, that later in the episode, I will be giving away a free character. Like, you know, I'm, not, I'm going to be prompting you guys with a character that if you want to use for a D&D campaign, um, if you're having a little bit of writer's block or you're trying to draw something for today and you can't think of anything, I'm going to be giving you a prompt later. I think it's pretty good. I always have fun imagining how it could be and what it would look like. And hopefully you guys can send me some art on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube. Tag me. I would love to see it. And I will definitely repost it if I um, if I come across it. So make sure you check me out on all of those. If you don't follow me on any of those, it's Victor of Stories on all of them. So it should be pretty easy to find. Just look for the golden VR and you know you're in the right place. Now, the rule of threes is something that I've noticed since I first started learning how to write or <laughs> learning how books are structured. Because I've always thought of ideas and storylines and alternative plots to theater. I was a theater kid, and so I was always on stage working with dialogue, and so I knew how a story worked. But the layout of a book, how paragraphs are formed, how a narrative can be thread through a chapter that leads to the larger one. And uh, it, I in that, I read the Ark of the Scythe series. Uh, my Neil Shusterman, I'll add a link down in the description, if you'd like to buy your own copy uh, through Amazon, it'll be through my affiliate link. So I will be getting some money off of that. But it'll be right down in the description. Big promises. It is one of the best reads ever. It's my favorite book. I've read all three twice. With the first one, I've read three times. So definitely go check that out. It is the series that inspired me to start writing. But in that series, the rule of threes is very prevalent. Now, the rule of threes is kind of an, a cheat code that I notice that there are, and it can be repeatable, but let me just define it. When there's three parties interacting with each other, parties being a loose term, it could be individuals, it could be groups, it could be ideologies, but three seems to be the magic number. In the Scythe series, or the, the world, I should say, there's no diseases that are a problem. Everyone is practically immortal. Everyone has little nanites in their blood that regulate their health and repair damaged tissue. If you jump off of the building, they can revive you at a revival center. It, it's called splatting. It's hilarious. The only way for you to die is if you're burned or killed by a scythe. Scythes are agents of the Scythodome established by the New World government to control the population. So each scythe is designated to a region which has their own quota to fill and cannot kill with bias torture isn't allowed 
and the only way for a scythe to die is if they kill themselves. But instead of just calling it killing, they call them gleaning for, you know, probably PG purposes. But in that world, any regular person can become a scythe, but more often than not, it doesn't happen. There aren't like hundred, there, there's not like half the population are scythes, that kind of thing. So among the normal people who are practically immortal and the scythes, the ruler of the world, if you want to call them that, they're actually pretty nice, is something called the Thunderhead, which is an AI program that is connected to every camera, is connected to every computer, automated taxi. There's cameras in every house and kind of guides people to living their best life, even to the degree where it's like, Okay, if you don't want the cameras on in your house, you can turn them off. The Thunderhead can have one-on-one -on -one conversations with every single person on Earth whilst also controlling bird migration patterns to keep a healthy environment, whilst also listening on every audible device on the planet, while also looking through every camera and never lose track of any one conversation, all being stored in a databank. And it's completely sentient. It is a person... Not it's not a person, but it's an AI that has specific rules that it has to follow. And it's not one of those things where it can break the rules. It is set. It is meant to be perfect. It cannot mess up. Any failure, quote unquote, that it does was as an experiment to test a certain hypothesis with a certain chance of uh, a certain percentage of uh, probability. It is just a benevolent kind of God in the world. But scythes aren't allowed to interact with the Thunderhead. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Those are the three main things in the story. And that's kind of the world of scythe. I didn't even say all three parties. It's not regular people. Regular people are the constant. It's the scythodom. So scythes, the Thunderhead. Um, and by extent, extension, the Nimbus agents. It's kind of cloud themed because of the cloud, internet, that kind of thing. And the third party are called tonists the only lasting religion in the world that is recognized and their whole thing is that the great uh the great toll will come and guide them to glorious salvation and they have this whole ritual where they drink a basin filled with all the world's most deadly viruses just to like mock uh nature and the only thing they believe in is this great tone or like this tune, this frequency that lives within all things and all these other stuff. And so they're kind of cultists and they're they're a very prevalent part in the story, whether they're being targeted by scythes, whether they're targeting scythes, whether they're bothering Nimbus agents and cursing the Thunderhead, anything like that. It's the third pillar of the story or the third party. Scythes, Tonists, and the Thunderhead. Now, here's why the rule of threes is effective for filling out a story from these three parties we have six different one-on-one -on -one possibilities you can have scythe and tonus scythe thunderhead tonus scythe tonus thunderhead thunderhead scythe thunderhead tonist but then you can also have team-ups where the scythe and the tonist are going against the thunderhead the thunderhead and the scythes are going against the tonists and the scythe and the thunderhead are going against the tonists and within each interaction, you I mean, you've already filled out nine different scenes you can make. And that's just the basic bare bones situation of, 
hey, this party's going against this party, or this party's going against this party. And from there, you fill out nine different scenes. Okay, um, let's add some characters in there. So under Scythes, you have each character representing a different ideology. Let's go with Godard, an extremist mass murderer Scythe, who specializes in disaster-type gleanings. You have Farday, who's like called the Honorable Scythe Farday, who's very, very into the old guard ways of honor and respect for life and all those things. Now you have the the new kid on the block view of Ronan and Citra, who are the main characters, who are becoming Scythes. You have each one of these ideologies clashing against Tonus ideologies of the different people who are associated with Tonists. You have them clashing with the Thunderhead and the Nimbus agents and people who speak for the Thunderhead. And, I mean, there. hey, there you go. You have a story. You follow us. You follow Rowan, Citra, and you have not a story, but a list of situations that could occur. I just find it so, so fascinating because you find it everywhere, everywhere. Okay, back to the Harry Potter example. How about Ron, Harry, and Hermione? Rule of threes. Uh-oh, one's even a girl. And even in the rule of threes, they each represent something. Harry is capable, but not knowledgeable. Hermione is knowledgeable and capable. And then Ron isn't capable and isn't knowledgeable. So you have each of these attributes playing within the group's dynamic. And then they're under the category of student. You have uh, students, teachers, and then like the Death Eaters, I think. And now each of these are interacting with each other during the school day, during events. Voldemort shows up, all of these things. Gosh, did I write down any other examples? Ah, the Aliens and Predators movie. This is the last example, but just to really drive home the point. Let's take the Aliens versus Predators movie, right? You have the Aliens, you have the Predators, and you have the Humans. Humans are soft, squishy, but they have technology. Predators are uh, very strong, very intelligent, and they have very high-end equipment. And then you have the Aliens that are extremely strong, dangerous, but more animalistic than anything else where humans are kind of a bridge between the aliens and the predators because we're both of high-end equipment and animalistic because we're not physically too strong. So we're like, ah, you know. Now, that is what I call the rule of threes. Anytime that there's three different parties interacting with each other and you can even dive deeper into one party to find more sets of three or four uh, that can interact with each other to really fill out a story. But to kind of come back to the original question, I would say that's how you would attack that problem if you have too many plots. Maybe you combine them. Maybe you have a story about a pasture out in the middle of a swamp that's kind of converting the townspeople through ill practice of religious text and preaching and all these other things. You have another story about aliens and then coming down to Earth, and maybe it's like an alien love story, kind of like a Twilight, but aliens, you know what I mean? Okay, they're both bland, they're both very one-dimensional. How do we make them a little bit more like, ooh, okay, let's take, and this is completely off the top of my head, let's take the alien idea, put it in the bayou, in the swamp, and the person that the alien's falling in love with is one of the townsfolk who goes against the pasture, and realizes that the pastor is only mind-controlling everyone through the religious text and stuff. The alien has to, like, help them deal with that, save their family, and kind of get over the uh, the evil pastor. 
And so now there's another layer to it. It's this, but also this. I do think there is a, a limit to how many things you can combine, which is why I think the rule of three works. Because if you have too many things going on at once, it could be hard to keep track of, especially if you're a reader and you don't know the story backwards and forwards and in between and the subtext of every piece of dialogue. You could, it can be really hard to keep track with. I feel like the sweet spot is the rule of three. That's why you have a trilogy and all these other things, but I digress. Okay, for today's, we're just going to switch over the character now, the uh, or concept, I guess you could say. We're having a little bit of writer's block. You will appreciate this one. Actually, no. Uh, Hunter got that. And how we can use this rule of threes in life. I don't know specifically what the three would be. But here's my example with adding diversity to my life, right? So I'm a writer. And I want to be a writer. But in being a writer, your creativity is very important. Along with your technical ability, of course. But your creativity is kind of just what you rely on to come up with a good idea or flesh out good ideas. Maybe switch a bad idea into something that's readable, watchable, you know, consumable. And because of that, living life should be step one of any writer. Because how are you going to write about life's problems if you've never lived life? I think Uncle Iroh said it best. <laughs> Um, if I'm being completely honest, where in the show, uh, after the last airbender, Uncle Iroh is the very like wise character. He's talking to Zuko, the hot-headed character who's going through some stuff. And he tells Zuko, he says, the four nations are all very different yet unique, or very unique yet the same in that, you know, earth are strong people, water adaptable, but everyone has their thing. But it, if you only take your wisdom from one of the sources, which are all different, your wisdom is going to grow stale. It's going to grow old and weak. But if you combine your wisdom to include that of all of the different nations, you become whole. You're able to, your wisdom never grows stale and you always learn something and you become like a whole person. And I always enjoyed that sentiment that you can always gain something from something else and that you can improve who you are through the teachings of places that you would never really think to look. I don't consider myself a uh, Catholic or Christian or of the Catholic faith at all, but there are uh, T.D. Jakes, he's a pastor, that I listen to quite frequently because I believe that there are lessons in all religion. There's lessons in anywhere you look, really. You just need to know how to read it. But in my experience, the Bible is like kind of just a big book of, uh, of lessons and stories, essentially. And so I listen to T.D. Jakes preach, but I also listen to... Uh, Stoic philosopher quotes about being a warrior, living life, doing things that are hard. Marcus Aurelius's uh, meditations on appreciating the days that you have and accepting that people will be who they are and to change them would to be unnatural, that we should live our natural lives. Even to the point of the things that I do the, or the things that I enjoy and I give my time to. No better example for when I was in high school. I would do theater, but I was also into sports. And I would go from play practice uh, straight to uh, track and field. And the duality of exploring my mental artistic side and then having something to put my physical energy into kind of rounded me out. And I even still try to do that. If whenever I do something physical, 
I, I like to do something mental. And it's not like a one-to-one, but in my day, I like to have that balance of I've done physical work, I've satisfied physical needs, but I've also stretched my creative muscles. I've learned something. I've practiced thinking. And even though that does sound weird, you know, how are you going to say you're good at something if you never practiced it? So if you practice thinking, you're probably good at thinking. And it might not be four different aspects. And I'm sure someone else can say it a lot better than I can. But hey, you're listening to me. Having the balance will round you out as a person. It'll make you happy. I just got done at the gym earlier. And I'm on a kickboxing uh, binge right now where I'm learning how to throw kicks and punches and just learning how to fight. And for the longest time, I've been a weightlifter and a bodybuilder. So I'm not any, I'm not new to the gym. It's just that I'm new to the activity. And so I'm, I'm learning a new skill and I'm becoming more one with my body and I can really like feel myself developing on a physical level differently than how I've been. And, you know, mentally here, I'm here, I'm creating content for you guys. I'm, I started a podcast, I'm writing a book, I'm exploring different avenues of storytelling, I, I'm, I want to be a playwright, all these different things that take my mental energy. Uh, it, and other examples escape me, and I'm, but I'm sure there are other aspects to life that I, I, I just can't think of right now. Maybe relationships, maybe love, to do something that you love or to do something for love, to do like a nice thing for someone. I digress. But it also helps you with uh, inspiration where when you go to be physically exhausted and you keep your body healthy, you know, healthy body, healthy mind, but yeah, actually... When you go through things, you add, if you've listened to my episode on ideas and creativity, you should. It, I think it was the second episode. Go give that a listen. The more things you do, the more you put into your bucket. And so when you're a writer, you want to live life, go live life. Go do the physical things. Go do things that are hard. Go do things that are easy. Go do things you like, things you hate, things that are dangerous, things you've never done before. And one of those things is physically doing something and trying really hard at something. Maybe you're really out of breath. Maybe you go for a run. Maybe you practice um, a new sport or you're like me and you just start practicing boxing, kickboxing, maybe a martial art. And you gain not only a new perspective, not only like new brain chemistry, which will change your creativity for the better. You give yourself that outlet for otherwise negative emotion. And it sets you right. And it, it takes out that, ang- not takes out, but it helps with the anxiety. It helps with the anger. It helps with the depression. But genuinely, it does. And being physically exhausted might suck if you've never done it before. But it gives you this good feeling that you've, you've really done something. Even if you've done nothing, you've done something. You, like you ran however long. You did however many push-ups. And it really wore you out. There's a level of satisfaction behind it that puts you in a good place. It makes you feel like you've really done something. And it'll affect your confidence, it'll affect your health, which will affect your mind and how you think. And it won't take away your good ideas. It'll help with your good ideas. It'll make better ideas for you. Because you've gone through certain things. You're able to describe uh, struggle and pain and you're teaching yourself lessons through this. And you can do it with any like trade too. If you learn just a regular skill, if you get really good at tying rope, and tying knots and stuff, I'm sure you could tell a hell of a story about someone who ties knots. 
you know, you, you see what I'm getting at? From your own life experiences, you'll be able to create characters and scenarios and situations. Not just the basic old, like, run-of-the-mill cash grab story. You can maybe progress. Maybe you don't want to be a writer and you just want to do something else. Maybe you play video games professionally. Maybe you sculpt. Maybe you sing. Maybe you dance. It's the physical creating, it's the physical combining with the mental that's important and that I find to be very beneficial, which is a short way to say everything that I just took like 20 minutes to say. Yeah, uh, do both. It's super cool. It, it, can, it can be hard doing new things though. It can. And so like how your main character goes through the story and does new things and meets different people with different points of view, you're going to meet people in life who are going to have different points of view than you. And it's okay. All we can really do from them is learn. And maybe we don't absorb everything they say and completely change who we are based on their views and beliefs, but we don't have to. And really, we shouldn't. We should be living by our values and the rules of the world that we define ourselves through. There's no reason we can we can't change those, though. We can always adapt, learn new things from people you might not expect to learn new things from. And so just like with people, maybe doing something new can spark a little bit of inspiration for you. I found that that's what's really always behind writer's block is a lack of fuel in your creative gas tank. And the way you get more fuel is by doing new things and by getting away from the page and by getting away from storytelling for just a second so you can refuel and get on your way when you go back to writing. With that being said, here's a little thing to snack on for you. A Druid Tavern. What does it look like? Where is it? What do you drink out of? What kind of things do you drink? Is it still alcohol because it's like fermented yeast and different juices? Ooh, I bet it would have really nice like fruity alcohol and it would all be like completely natural. Oh, what? Okay, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the Ants movie, but they drink out of like these small bugs, like the butts of the small bugs, and it's really, it's kind of gross, but in that same vein, like you drink out of little pitcher plants. <laughs> I think that'd be funny. And like maybe like shots or like lily pads that are just like taller, something that, that would be, that would be really funny. <laughs> and what would the seating look like? It, I always, in my mind, it's like a tree roots that go up and then it, just becomes like a flat surface maybe they like cut the tree right when it it like like the roots look like the legs of the table and then abruptly there's just kind of like this section of tree that they shave and uh, make flat for uh, patrons and everything i always i'm imagining it inside of some sort of tree definitely but it doesn't have to be you know druids it could just be outside like in the woods perhaps it's in a giant bush or it's underground and the walls are dirt and it's dark, but you're being illuminated by um, bioluminescent plants. Uh, maybe they put uh, bioluminescent algae in the drink so it looks cool and you get like a certain level of protein. Ooh, what if there's like a place for your pets to go? What if pets are just allowed? Hmm. What kind of person would run that tavern? What would they look like? Would they be a druid? Or maybe like an animal person? Wait, no. The whole idea is that it's a druid's tavern. Yeah, no, they'd be a druid. How would they use their? How could they use spells druids have to incorporate into the business? Maybe turning into 
a flock of crows to bring people their drinks. Maybe summoning a flock of crows to bring people their drinks. I don't know. That'd be pretty cool, actually. Talking with uh, all the plants and stuff to keep tabs on everyone that's every, everyone. So like maybe there's flowers throughout the uh, the tavern that are actually just like audible lines because some druids can talk to plants and stuff if you have that skill in D&D. And so if there's like a bar fight or something that goes on, all the flowers are like, yo, 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 yo over there, over there, over there. And it kind of goes down the line of all the flowers that like kind of connect to each other to the uh, druid owner. So maybe that would be pretty cool. But yeah, that ends our little character segment. I'm going to start doing that every uh, every episode, so hopefully you guys enjoy it. As far as news go, oh yeah, we're going to do news now, by the way. As far as news goes, not too much. I got a cool little uh, Oni mask sign for my office, which will be on the uh, Instagram. If you... Uh, Follow me on Instagram. I post pictures of things that I talk about during the episode. And if you ever want to check that out, just, you know, go follow me. Victoria Stories. No big deal. Oh, just, you know, crazy appreciate it. But I do have promotional content planned for everyone that will be promoting uh, my story, The Doppler House. It'll be coming out in, I want to say a few months, but I want to start getting the ball rolling on how excited I am for this. So it's going to be, right now the plan is to have four different uh, interviews, which each, each of the characters at a police station, uh, talking about an event that happens at the story. And it's not in the book. It's purely promotional. Um, it's all based in fact, though. So there won't be any spoilers. There won't be any, um, it's not going to, but there won't be any spoilers, but it's not going to be wasted through your time either. It'll be very, very entertaining. It'll be up on the YouTube. You can follow me on YouTube, Victor Stories. Subscribe. You can catch all the podcast episodes on there. And please, leave comments down below. Leave likes. Let me know which episodes are good, which episodes are bad. I really just want to be here to inspire some people. I want to make your days a little bit better. Whether I'm feeling more of like a mellow mood now or I can't stop making the same stupid jokes. I hope I add a little bit of... I hope I add something to your day. But yeah new format changes for the podcast and core answers are going to be new as well but they will be up there uh, as far as news goes yeah that's pretty much it if you're done eating all of those pages and if you have any pages left please take a note of my instagram tiktok youtube and twitter all victor Rose stories always posting all the time you can follow me on core if you like if that's your thing it's still victor Rose stories you if you follow me on twitter you can get every single link you can get links to every single course so you don't have to really follow me on there if you follow me on youtube you can get readings of my most popular core answers at the end of each month i have book reviews for this the end of november this month right now currently it will be of 1984 it'll be a, a pretty long youtube video over on my youtube victor o stories my tiktok has plenty of the same things that my instagram and youtube do but with a few extra and plenty more coming soon so hopefully everyone has a wonderful day thank you very much for joining me and i hope to see you next time with plenty of pages to eat goodbye <laughs>